How many know God's good? How many people are blessed? All right, let's pray this morning. Father God, we love you so very much. God, we thank you for the blessings and the benefits and the promise in Christ Jesus. And Father, I pray this morning, God, you'd anoint me to speak only what you have for me to speak. God, I pray that you would give us the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Lord, in this very moment, as we go into your word, God, it's not just a time just to to listen to someone talk, but God, that the Holy Spirit would be actively involved, Lord, in the speaking, but also in the listening. God, that we would be changed, transformed, renewed, uh, set apart for your glory and your purpose. God, teach us today how to love. God, teach us today to how to walk by faith in an obedient heart, God. And we pray, Lord, you would just uh, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in and through this corporate body uh, and those that hear this word. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, uh, turn in to John chapter 13. Verse 34, John chapter 13, verse 34. Uh, we're in our Love Sums It series this morning, wrapping up our Words in Red series. And we're kind of looking at this mathematical principle, spiritual mathematics really is that love plus obedience equals what? Love plus obedience equals what? Uh, we're looking at five different things that love plus obedience uh, equals. And last week we talked about how When we love and we serve others, that unlocks the blessings of God in our life that he says that the least will be the greatest. Uh, And who is the greatest? But yet the least. And he says, if you love others and you serve others, God will make you great in his kingdom. And today we're looking at another one. And the witness of discipleship. Discipleship. But uh, husbands, uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done the misfortunate thing? And... uh, have your wives ever told you this statement? Don't tell me how to feel. Husbands, been there, done that? Learned that early in marriage. Don't tell me how to feel. Don't tell your wives how they should feel. Nobody likes to told, hey, you're having a sad day. You know, you should really be happy right now. And you just look at them like, don't tell me that. Who do you think you are? To, uh, come on, let's be honest. Let's, y'all loosen up a little bit today. Happy, happy Sunday, okay? You know, all right? Don't tell me how to, nobody likes to be told how to feel. Trust me, last this this weekend, I was alone, some daddy time with my two-year-old daughter. She wasn't having a happy weekend. And I, despite all the things, we got a sand little box. It doesn't matter if if she wasn't happy. It doesn't matter what you'd say. That didn't change that little two-year-old's mind. She was going to have a bad day. And sometimes we're the same way, right? Don't tell me how to feel. If I'm having a, it's my right to have a bad day every now and then. Somebody? Okay, so, all right. We're all, we're all sinners. We're here. Good, good, good. All right. <clears throat> some of us. Anyway, nobody likes to be told that if you're feeling sad. And then you tell them like something like this. What do you mean get over it? You get over it. Right? Okay. <laughs> so my question here this morning is this. There's a serious point in all this. Can you be commanded to feel something? Can you be told how to feel? And I think uh, we live in this world today where... Uh, it's just part of who we are. It's part of the environment, the culture that we live in that we sometimes we're not even aware is that we live in a, a society that says, I live how I want to live. I do what I want to do and I'll love who I want to love. Isn't that what culture is saying today? I'll love and do and what? How I want to do it. You respect me and my wants. I'll respect you and your wants. We'll be kosher. You go over there. I'll go over here. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. That's what world says today. That's what culture says today. And I think uh, we can kind of unknowingly bring that into the church sometimes. And, and we forget 
that in the hype of following Jesus, that he commands us to love. You know, we we come to church and we're like, man, there's some benefits in coming to church and and following Jesus. One, I don't got to go to hell. Two, man, we get to come here, we get to listen to some awesome music, we get to hear some speaking, sometimes good, sometimes not. We get to have our kids uh, in in an awesome thing, and they got kids' activities and youth activities, and man, we get to see the sick uh, healed, we get to see miracles and signs and wonders, and get to believe in the power of prayer, and you know what? People come visit you. There's some benefits going to church. People come visit you when you get sick. People make you food when you have an illness, something like that. That's a good place to come, right? You got food, fellowship. We eat a lot. We are happier people than the rest of the world. You go through hard times. There's people that lift you up. But in the hype of all of that, sometimes we forget something. Jesus commands you how and what to do and when, right? And if we're going to look this morning, and sometimes the disciples got in that, that mode, that Jesus was commanding them to do something. Nobody likes to be told how to feel, but Jesus tells us who and what to love and what not to love. But how are we to do that? How are we to love today those we have no feelings for? How are we to love today those that stab us in the back or those that turn us uh, into the dirt? How How do we love those that constantly disappoint or those that, maybe it's not even that, maybe it's just those that are completely unlike us. We've got nothing in common. John chapter 13, verse 34. Look there with me today. In the hype of following Jesus, sometimes we forget he commands us to love. Here we are in John chapter 13. Love is commanded. The disciples, uh, they're looking and they're desiring great uh, to be great in God's kingdom. Jesus is leading them to the cross. And he uh, on this night, we're still on the same night, the night that he was betrayed, And he is teaching them some things. And Jesus has just washed their feet and demonstrated this uh, least of the kingdom thing in this servant's heart and that you should wash other people's feet because I've washed your uh, feet and you should love them because I loved you, right? And he's demonstrating them something. He's teaching them something. Because in that night, he's about to be betrayed, he's about to be denied, and he's about to die on the cross on the following day. And look in John 13, 34. After washing the disciples' feet, he told them, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. All right, good. (laughs) He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been uh, with someone on the night that they're dying and they're, they're kind of giving their final farewells or final goodbyes, but this is what this was. Jesus knows he's about to die, and he is giving his last farewell speech, his final things. And so these next five weeks are fairly important because when you get to the end of your life, the things that you say to your friends and family, that, that's pretty important. You, all the things you've uh, learned your whole life, all the things you want to pass on, all the things you want to make sure they know before you go this, from this earth. You're going to tell them. And Jesus is doing that right here. So we should put some special emphasis on these words. Because before he was going to die, he told them, A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. And by this they'll know you're my disciples. But he says a new commandment. I'm going to look at that today because what does that mean? What's a commandment? Simply, uh, the word commandment often uses in the, in the way that a king would tell his servant what to do. It's, a, it's basically a verbal or written statement of something to do, a requirement. 
Uh, but if you know, uh, like I do uh, now in this season of my life, that when you tell your child what to do, it doesn't really change them per se. They got a choice to make, right? So if I tell you, tell your kid what to do in that moment, what happens? What's going on? It's a command. You're telling them what to do. But in that moment, they have to make a choice. And what's that choice? To either conform to your will or to keep their own. Man, that's not going to preach. You ready? God is commanding us something. And we all have a choice today before we leave here to either conform into his will or to keep our own. Do, do you, can you command a feeling? Can you command someone to love? We get that rebellion that stirs back up in us and says, God, don't tell me how to do that. God, I don't want to do that. But he in that moment, just like a parent would say to his child, hey, I'm telling you something. We have a choice. God, I'm either going to conform to your will or I'm going to keep my own. But how do you do that? Because we have this sin nature inside of all of us. And it fights against us. It's, man, it's on the inside. It's roaring. It's, it's pulling. It's tugging. And it's very hard. And if you're in that conversation with your spouse or your friend that tells you, man, you really should be happier right now. And, you know, you just got this new job. You got more money or whatever. And then, then you're saying, wow, this, all this stuff's going on in my life. In that moment, you, you really don't almost have an ability to change the way you feel. Man, if somebody slams your hand with a hammer, you're going to feel it, Right? And there's sometimes emotional stuff, life stuff. It causes some feelings in our lives that, man, we can't change. And so how in the world, when God commands us love, how can you affect that? Man, God, I want to please your will. God, I want to do your will. But what's on the inside of me is saying, nope, I'm not doing that. God, this is my way. God, and you have this struggle. Anybody ever been there before besides me? All right, okay, here we go to this morning. There's some, he says, a new commandment. All right, let's look at this. Why is this new? You know, in the Old Testament, there was old commandments, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They had old commandments. What's the most important, uh, biggest commandments we think about when we think about the Old Testament? The Ten Commandments, right? And so he's like, I got a new commandment. Well, there's the Ten Commandments. But if you look a little closer in the Old Testament, God had repeatedly told them what the commandments were. And it was in Deuteronomy 11.1, 1, that you would love the Lord your God and you would keep his commandments. Levi 19 also said, love your neighbor as yourself. So that was already in there. All right. There's the Ten Commandments. It says, love the Lord your God, obey him. And it says, love your neighbor. All of that was in the Old Testament. So, OK, God, what is this whole new thing? Let's fast forward. Now we're in the New Testament. There's new commandments in the, There's the old commandments in the Old Testament, new commandments in the New Testament. Before this night, Jesus had already told his disciples in Matthew, hey, love your enemies. Don't just love those who love you. Even sinners and tax collectors and Gentiles do that. But love those uh, who, who are against you. Uh, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. All right. He told them that. And then the Pharisee and some scribes would come up to him a couple of times and say, what's the greatest commandment? And he would say what? He says, love the Lord your God, basically, with everything you got. And then, likewise, the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, now here you're all with me. We're on the night that Jesus was betrayed. He's already told them this is what the law means. He's already told them that, hey, you should love your enemies. You should love your neighbors. You you should love God with everything you got. And he says this, a new commandment I give unto you. What's new about this? 
Let's look at this a little bit deeper this morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You and I today are commanded to love God and others. You and I today, uh, it says that those who love God in Exodus 20 and those who obey Him are blessed. Those who serve Him and walk in His way, those who conform to His will, man, they're going to be blessed. But they're in this moment. How are we to do this? It's not based on a feeling per se. It's on the truth that this, that just like that child, I have to realize, God, you are God. Your way is better than my way. Just like you hope your children would do. Dad and mom, I don't have it all figured out. Don't you just want your kid to come up to you and say this? I don't have it all figured out. I think you've been right from the very beginning. This is a miracle right now. Miracle service. We'll pray later. Right? Uh, From the very beginning... Your way is better than my way, and I just am going to listen to you from now on. How many kids have ever told your parents? No, right? Okay? And that's what we're looking at this morning. The same relationship we have with God. He's saying, hey, I've commanded you this. Love your neighbors. I've commanded you this. Obey me. I've commanded you this to love me with everything you've got. And by doing that, I'll bless you. But when you're commanded something, it doesn't really change anything inside of us. And that today is why you and I need Jesus Christ. That's why we needed him to come. And look at this. He says new, a new commandment. What was different about this moment and what was he speaking into today? What was new? He says it's a new way to love or a new kind of love. You know, love has a variety of meanings and depths. I could say to you today, I love Pop-Tarts. And I could say to you, I love sports. Or I could say to you, I love my wife. Now, I just use the same word in three different contexts. Sometimes we say, I love God like I love Pop-Tarts. Sometimes we say, I love God like I love sports. Or sometimes we say, I love God and I really, really love God. He's given them a measure today. How do you know what love is? What, what is this thing? God, you told me to love you. You're God, you're telling me to love my neighbor. God, you're telling me to love uh, my brothers and sisters. And now you're saying, God, a new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as you have loved me. All right? True love is this, and this is how we define it at Sanctuary, is that love is a choice, number one. goes back to that command thing. It's a choice to sacrifice for the benefit or blessing of another. I'm going to say it again. Love is a choice to sacrifice for the benefit of another or blessing of another. How do you love on command then? Okay, God, you're telling me love is a choice. But I know this choice that I should make, but I don't have the ability to make it. Man, sometimes your parents told you what to do and you knew you should have, but you did it opposite anyway, right? Why did you do that? There's something inside of you, this sin nature. And so you can't really love on command. And and the Old Testament proves that. Israel over and over again failed God. Over and over again, you and I, if we're doing it by our own strength, our own will, our own mental power, we will time and time again fail God. You will time and time again fail God by doing it by your own strength, by your own power, by your own will. And so you can't do it. I cannot love you like you need to be loved. You can't, husbands, you can't love your spouse 
like she needs to be loved. Wives, you can't love your husbands like he needs to be loved. You on your own cannot do it in the way God has intended you to do it. You've been commanded to do it, but I'm going to tell you what, you're going to fail. You are going to fail. And until we all realize that we are all sinners, that we've all fallen short, and that we're all failures when it comes to God's holy standard, that's the first step right there. God, I want to do it, but I can't. God, I'd love to do it, but I can't. God, I am in need of something more than just this law, than just this commandment to love. Because here's what happens. You have gone through church your whole life. You've heard a lot of words. You've heard a lot of people speaking a lot of things, a lot of good things that people speak, but it hasn't changed you. So many people go through all this stuff, and it's like, you know, I understand it. I get it. I know it, but it really hasn't changed me. Why? Why hasn't it changed you? Why hasn't it changed so many people? Because here's this, here's this, new, this word, it says a new commandment. It translates on the Greek, it means fresh. Fresh love. Fresh new love. He says a new commandment, a fresh commandment, a revitalized commandment I'm giving to you. And what he is doing is Christ's death in this moment is about to open up a new era of salvation history. In this night, on that night that he was betrayed and he was crucified and he raised again on the third day, he was opening a new day in salvation history that he would fulfill the love that you were meant to fulfill for God. That Jesus Christ said, I love my father. What I see my father doing, I do. And so my father has asked me to do his will, to obey him. And Jesus says, me and the Father are one. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And so Jesus Christ begins to fulfill something for you. You must get this this morning. Jesus Christ is loving God like you should. Jesus Christ came to love God like you are supposed to love God. Jesus Christ came to love people like you are supposed to love people. See, there was a command against you. And if you could never love people, if you could never have loved God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, I don't know how many about you, how many people fail that promise and that command every day? We're all sinners, okay? We can't love God. I, I struggle to love God with my mind on some days, with my heart on others, with my body on others. And so we fail time and again. And so the only person who was holy enough, good enough, awesome enough to do that was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes and he says, I'm about to fulfill the law for you. I'm going to fulfill all the commands for you. Mostly, I'm going to love God like you've never loved God. And I'm going to love you like you've never loved you. And I'm going to love him and her like you've never loved him and her. Jesus Christ comes, he dies on the cross, and he loves perfectly. He loves God perfectly, he loves us perfectly, and he obeys the Father's will. And because of that, it says in Philippians, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue. God knew love plus obedience equals blessing. And so Jesus Christ comes and does it for you. And he becomes an illustrated sermon for you and I today. That number one, we were all sinners. Number two, Jesus Christ had to fulfill the law of love for us. But now he commands them. He says, but I'm still commending you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. What, look at this. Look at this verse again. A new commandment. Love one another as even as I have loved you, that you also will love one another. Christ is giving you and I a measuring stick today. It says Christ's love is a love without limits. It fulfills the definition of love that when he comes to earth, he demonstrates God's love. Not only does he just heal people, he befriends sinners. He befriends the outcast. He washes his disciples' feet. He takes on the position of a slave and he gives his life as a ransom for many. 
He loved them to the very end, and along the way, as they were beating him and beating him and crucifying him, he says repeatedly, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't understand, God. Father, forgive them. I think he's over and over again, he's saying this. Christ says, I want you to love people tonight like I'm about to love you. Man. And so, he didn't get easier. It's like, well, God, I thought I couldn't even do that before. Now you're telling me to love people like that? God, how in the world? If I couldn't do it with my mind, body, soul, strength, love my neighbor as myself, turn my cheek from the other enemies, right? How in the world, God, can I love people like you're about to love people, that you're about to die and be a slave? Not only with this new commandment, but it came with a new understanding that now you have to love them like I have loved you, but it's this deeper in this measure of grace. First John four nineteen tells us that we are now loved because he first loved us. It's a motivating thing that comes when you and I are born again. New people. Jesus Christ comes to this place. He gives us a new commandment. He gives us new understanding and he makes us a new people. To do what God is calling you to do today, you have to become a new person. A person in Christ. A person with the Spirit of Christ living in you. No longer, like I said this morning, no longer what Paul says in Galatians uh, 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I live, I now live because He died for me, gave Himself up for me. When we come into this place today, are we a born-again, Spirit-filled people? Are we alive with Jesus Christ? Because what he does, he says, and uh, the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 36 that God promised that a day would come when the Messiah came that God would write his law on your heart and he would write it on your mind and he would put a new covenant in, into effect. And Ephesians tells us in 4.23 that it's the Holy Spirit comes into our life now because of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Christ comes. It renews you in the spirit of your mind. It puts a new self on you which is made in the likeness of God and has been specifically created in righteousness and the holiness of truth. The Holy Spirit now today is what you and I need to obey God. The Holy Spirit today is what you and I need to love God. And it's that newness of life that comes into you and I when we are born again, made alive in Christ. And it's a continual fight from this day on to say, God, I can't do it on my own. God, I can't love like I need to love. God, I can't obey like I want to obey. So God, I have got to die to those things, to trying to do it on my own, to trying to think it right on my own, to trying to believe it even right on my own. Because I, I don't have perfect faith on my own. I don't have perfect love. I don't have perfect strength. I can't, I can't be the husband I need to be or the father I need to be or the friend or coworker I need to be. I say, God, I need the newness of your spirit to walk in this new covenant. God, I need the newness of your Holy Spirit to walk in the newness of this love. And you cannot love by your efforts. How many of us today would understand when I would say, hey, I need a fresh experience of the Holy Spirit? Man, I need new power to love others. I need a revelation of the depths of Jesus' love. And it's, Galatians tells us again that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, the first one is what? Love. It is only by the Holy Spirit producing things in your life that you can obey God, that you can love Him. It's very simple today, church. Very simple. This is the heart of the gospel. This is what it's all about. By this, all men will know something, though. All men will know what? 
that you are my disciples. He says, love plus obedience equals you're going to be my disciples. They'll know you by something, this new spirit living in you, this new commandment I'm giving to you, this newness. And it goes from not only just, hey, love people as you love yourself, but I want you to love people like I love people. Love yourself like I love you. Love others like I love you. How do I do that, God? By this new spirit. Look at this. By all this, they'll know you're my disciples. It only doesn't put in a new covenant, a new love, a new, new, new beginning in ours, but it put, promotes a new fellowship. How do you have this place? You know, God's cool like this. He gives us a place to experiment with this love. It's called the body of Jesus Christ. Man, it's called the fellowship of the saints, the bride of Christ. This new fellowship. You and I have a new heart, new mind, but we also have a new fellowship. We're one another, his body of the church. 1 John 4.11 tells us, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And 1 Peter tells us, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now, you should, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. You know what that means? It means this from 1 Corinthians. It means, hey, you got you, all of us together, in this room together, before we ever love the world. Right here, between these two aisles. You ready for this? That means, you this side of the room to this side of the room. Y'all got to be patient to each other. It means that you have to be kind to one another. It means you have to not be jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It means that this side can't demand its own way against that side. It means that we can't be irritable. Whew, that's a good one. It can't be irritable. Man, that's just, you're, you don't even have to try on that one, right? You just, sometimes you just wake up irritable. But he says, don't be irritable. It says that you can never give up on one another. Somebody say Amen. Never, we're not giving up on one another in this room today. We're never giving up on one another. We're not demanding on our, our own way. We're never losing faith in one another or in God. We're always going to be hopeful one, for one another. Amen? I'm going to believe the best things about you. Man, I'm going to speak right there for a second. Sometimes we look at people and we see things on their Facebook, their wall, their, their whatever they are on their MySpace or, or just in the world today. And we think, mm-hmm, 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 yep, yep, yep. I'm believing the best for you until I know otherwise. Right? Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'm believing the best for you today, church. I'm going to be hopeful for you that you're going to get it. I'm going to be hopeful for you that God's will is going to be fulfilled in your life. I'm going to believe until I have uh, multiple reports that that's what you're choosing to do. I'm going to believe it that God is going to work in your life. I'm just going to believe in you that God's going to work in your life. And he says, uh, not only that, but we are enduring together. We've got to be together to endure together. Hmm. We have to be together to endure together. Church, we are called to be one another. Together. Loving one another. I can't love you if I don't ever see you or if I don't ever talk to you or we're not ever working together, laboring together, believing together, praying together, worshiping together. Man, we are here to love one another because why? It's this one thing. Proof of life. You know when uh, someone gets kidnapped, if you ever go to a foreign country... Uh, sometimes people get kidnapped, especially Americans, right? And what do they do? They, there's a movie based on this. They want proof of life. What is that? It is what the authorities need to determine whether or not that person is truly alive or not. Proof of life. Jesus says, if you love one another, you're going to prove that I am alive in you. Proof of life. 
when people come and they look at our church and they f- hear what we talk about one another, they hear how we talk about people in the street, they see how we interact with one another, what we believe in and why, and how much we love God. Is there a proof to them that Jesus Christ is still alive and sitting on the throne at the right hand of the Father? Is there a proof in us that Jesus Christ is who He says He is and that we believe it enough to give our lives for it? Man, discipleship is a proof of life, and this love is a proof of life. Is our love a proof that Jesus is still alive? And it's more than a height because, let me get, get this. John chapter 13, verse 36. Peter goes on. He hears this. He says, Jesus, okay, God, I get it. Yeah, I want to love people. Lord, I'm all in. I, I saw you walk. I turned water into wine. God, I saw you walk on the water. God, I saw you raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, and I am in it to win it, Jesus. Sometimes that's how we are right after revival in January. Then February, March comes, right? Here we are in April. Woo! And I'm preaching today. All right. So he says, man, I'm, I'm going, I'm going. You know what he says to me? Or what Peter says, or Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, you can't come where I'm going. He says, but God, I'm going to die for you. And then we tell Jesus that all the time. God, after this service, I'm in. God, after that preaching, after that altar call, God, I'm in. I raise my hand every other week, but God, I'm in this time. <laughs> Right? And he says, he says, and let me just read it. He says, truly I say to you, will you lay down your life for me? He says, Lord, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. And he says, truly I say to you, a rooster will crow, and you'll deny me three times. What happened? Peter did not understand love. It wasn't until later when he denied him and he got restored. What did Jesus ask him? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And what did he tell him to do? Then feed my sheep. Then love my sheep. Love one another. The church has just been born. It was just the 12 of them. Love one another. Feed them. Pour into one another. Bless them. Shepherd them. Guard them. Protect them. Be steadfast with them. Don't give up on them. Be together, church, today. Jesus, we've got, it's more than hype, church. It's more than just coming to a show. It's more than just standing and raising our hands and getting excited and believing in good things with our mind. But unless there is a newness of life birthed inside of us that when we see that the Son of God died for me, that He loved me to the very end, that He went onto the cross of Calvary for me, and that turns and, and it, it said it broke Peter, that he wept when Jesus asked him these things. And I think the same is true for us today. Do you really love God? And I'm going to tell you something. You can't love Him like you should. Do you really love others? You can't love them like you should. The only way you can do that is to say, God, I am a sinner. I can't do it on my own. And God, I've got to die to myself, crucify the flesh that was within me, and love people through you. God, I need you to love people in me. God, I I really need you to love you through me, if you can get that around your head. I need God to be in me so that I can even love Him back. That's how much I need God. I can't even love God on my own. That's how messed up I am. Right. I've got to have God in me. It's more than hype. It's more than just this thing that we call church. It's about saying, God, before you died, you told me love people like you love people. God, I've got to have your Holy Spirit. Who are you today, church? Who are you today? John tells us in first John three, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are evident. That if you don't practice, that means obey righteousness. You're not of God. And if you don't love your brother, love plus obedience equals discipleship. And you can't do either without the power of the Holy Spirit living within you. 
Love plus obedience equals discipleship. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Spurgeon, I'll close with this. Spurgeon said, I'm told that Christians do not love each other. He says, I'm very sorry if I hear that is true, but I'd rather doubt it. For I suspect that those who do not love each other are not Christians at all. Love plus obedience equals discipleship. Do you love God? Do you love others? And how is the Holy Spirit loving others and God through you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? Father God, we love you because you first loved us. And God, because the Holy Spirit is born again in us. And Father, I pray today, Lord, that we would just settle in this moment, God, with Lord, nobody focusing on anything, nobody moving around, God, but we are here because you loved us. God, I pray, Lord, in this next moment, God, we are about to make a decisions, Lord, in a variety of ways, Lord, from the front of the pews to the back, God, in this room. Lord, and it's not going to be on, let it not be on hype. Let it not be because, Lord, I preached a convicting sermon. Let it not be because the worship music is meaningful. But let it be because, God, you are who you say you are. And we choose to follow you. And, God, we do so because your Holy Spirit enables us to. We do so because, God, man, just to understand what you've done for us, just to have a glimpse of it, God, motivates us to love you. It inspires us to love you. And so, Father, you've commanded us to love one another as you have loved us. Father, I pray you'd help us. God, Lord, I pray in this moment right now, Holy Spirit, reveal anything in us that is hindering your love. Mother, maybe it's choices. Choices I'm currently making consciously of, God, that I'm putting other people second. But God, help me to choose your will. Holy Spirit, maybe there's elements in my life, God, I know I've been more self-seeking, more self-centered. And God, we know everyone could grow in love. We know we all fail and fall short of it. But God, I pray right now today, it's about a growing and deepening relationship with the Spirit of God. A newness of life. May we be conscious of that growth. May we be conscious of our need of the Holy Spirit today. God, maybe we've been doing it too much on our own. Christianity, Lord, has become this routine. It's been a mental thing. It's been a decision thing. And we're living in the old covenant, God. We're, we're trying to do it on our own by works. We're trying to love on our own. We're trying to be good enough on our own. We're trying to do it all on our own. But God, you fulfilled it all in Jesus Christ. Now we've freed from the law. But God, we've got to live today by faith and in love by the power of the Holy Spirit in relationship with you. What you need to know today, church, every person in this place, God loves you so very much more than you will ever, ever know until you get to heaven. God has an identity in you. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. But let me tell you something. It's not going to be according to your own will. And it's not going to be through your own power and works and trying to do it on your own. It's when you come to God as a childlike faith, and you say, God, I understand now. Lord, your way is better than my way. God, every time I try to do it on my own, it fall, I fall short. 
But God, I just have to submit to you and stop trying to do it on my own and say, God, I'm giving it up. I'm coming to you and say, God, I can't even do it still, God. Just because you come to God and you repent of your sins doesn't mean you're going to go out of this place and do it. It means that today you're going to go out of this place and you're going to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may or may not mess up occasionally every day. But every day you're going to choose, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to live by the Spirit because He loved me and He gave Himself up for me. And He's called me and commanded me to love others. And I choose to obey Him.